0: Hello, this is the Fight Back Podcast, hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Vary. Here, you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Hey there, conscious combat soul. What, you? You? Yes, I'm talking to you. If you listen to this podcast, then you are a human being who loves combat and wants to be conscious about the way that you're doing it. You're interested in being more trauma-informed, more inclusive and more ethical in the way that you teach and participate in martial arts and combat sports. And that's why I would like to invite you specifically to join our new group, the Conscious Combat Club. We're on Facebook, And there's an emailing newsletter that you can sign up for, the details for both of which are in the show notes here. But now let's get to today's episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the Fight Back podcast. I am here today with Jiu-Jitsu Purple Belts, Alex and Laurie. They both run a trauma-informed Jiu-Jitsu school and teach martial artists how to become more trauma-informed with their program, which is called Off The Zone. Welcome to the show, both of you
1: welcome thank you thank you for having us thank you
0: can you please expand a little bit on my introduction perhaps one at a time how did you both get into jiu-jitsu and what led to the point where you're teaching a trauma-informed program do you want to
2: start um yeah i can start so uh i did martial arts uh, since i don't know I, I found recently a certificate uh of my yellow belt in judo when i was six years old oh uh, Ever since um, into martial arts, um, I got my, my black belt in uh, German Jiu which is more traditional. And at one point that that wasn't enough. I wanted to uh, develop more into depth, uh, into depth, and so depth. So I uh, picked up Jiu Jitsu because I liked like grappling, and well, I got smashed the first three months or so um i was like what the hell is happening so I, I was sold and um yeah so then i i switched completely to jiu-jitsu picked also up uh kickboxing thai boxing mma and um yeah at one point um i was teaching in in a local club uh traditional jiu-jitsu but i of course added in more and more bjj mm-hmm. um then yeah laureen and i met the mats uh training and i got her to help as well with with teaching the kids and yeah with the the kids in the club we got to um uh win a national level um championship tournaments and um yeah that's um where trouble in the in the local club started because the the 12 year old kids were, were beating up the black belts over there
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, so there's trouble started and at the same time um in the club we were training trouble started because the bj th- club in the BJJ club yeah in the bj school sorry um yeah because Loreen was was uh, sexually harassed there and um the instructor punished her and me and i didn't know what was happening i was just Before, um, the instructor was always uh, very helpful and positive. And suddenly I was punished for for anything I did. And I I was totally oblivious. I I didn't understand what was going on until at one point, um, Loreen was was telling me and showing me messages and stuff. And I was like, now I understand. Well, and then I was also like, we were deciding we have to protect uh, the youth, especially uh, the, the girls, even when he waits till they are 18. At 18, they don't have the, the um, understanding and the, the what is going on. Um, they're e- re- still too easy to be manipulated by someone who has uh, this much experience. Yeah. And even so-
1: adult women struggle too, you know, let alone ladies that then are just still kids in, in those aspects. Totally.
2: So that's uh, when we decided to, to start up our own school.
1: And trauma-informed at that. Exactly. So that is like his side, my side. I started, I think, when I was around 15, with martial art, different types uh, of martial arts. And um, eventually I came then to BJJ. Um, as a younger person, I was sexually assaulted abuse and uh, I had really issues when men would touch me especially men of a certain age not just my peers because it was an older man who did that um so even when an older man would just look at me would for me already be triggering which for me also very early showed that's not a way to live like can't be that somebody who literally is not afraid at all I feel threatened and then I am a, a very confrontational type of person or direct maybe because I'm dutch I don't know so it means that when I realize that I have a weakness or something that obviously is impacting my life negatively i'm like okay i need to get over it only later i realized i was just kind of exposing therapy myself but that's then like what i realized later so i thought i want to feel safer so and i always loved martial arts i mean as a kid dragon ball was like my absolute favorite thing mm-hmm. and um i thought it's male-dominated so let's enroll. And then eventually BJ was then the one which was, of course, most triggering because many positions are or can be very similar. And of course, there's a lot, a lot of touch. So when I started, uh, I was the only girl. I was tiny. I was in like in my early 20s and um, I was surrounded by big guys I and mean, the Netherlands guys are big. <laughs> so. Then you don't know anything. So then, when it's time to spar, they go on you full hardcore because they're not used to spar to spar with smaller bodies anyway. So that was, of course, a big struggle. Then, meanwhile, I the coach, however skillful he was in BJ, didn't understand trauma. So even though I informed him, I he just you know he just let the guys do whatever. So I had uh, of course traumatic memories as and flashbacks as, as we were rolling. So I was fighting them, trying to survive and trying to cope with me being in the past, being some, somewhere completely else. So the first six months I was, when I went home by train, I was just crying. Not because I was necessarily sad, but it was just too much. And often, definitely, I got re-traumatized as well in the process. Um, to the point where I could sense that the coach was like, yeah, BJ is not for you, because he stopped investing in me coaching in me Mm -hmm. and what actually saved me in that regard was me going to Oxford to study there and I said uh, I passed my contract there and I thought I said I will then continue in Oxford which I did and there it was a completely different atmosphere Uh, not that necessarily they were directly trauma-informed but the teacher himself was smaller body so at least he understood that issue Mm -hmm. and he just started from the beginning And luckily there were also more students and also people my, my size. And from then on, I realized like, wow, BJ can also be so much fun. Like it is, it's not the art. It's like the coach that kind of makes or breaks it for you. Totally. And um, meanwhile, there, I also started with yoga with uh, Danielle Beck, who later then founded yoga impact charity, who is trauma informed. So they're kind of the seats were already, you know, in my system, I want, to continue with trauma informed and I didn't know in what way, but then when I, of course, later met uh, my now husband and it was clear that if we're going to go pro, then I wanted to be a trauma informed martial arts and yoga school. So that is, I think, in short or in long, (laughs) our introduction. Which was
0: perfect, right? And I really want to get into what is the difference now in your school, but I think it might be helpful for listeners to hear from both of you. How do you define trauma? And maybe from there we can talk about what's different in a trauma-informed versus regular BJJ school.
1: So how we define trauma is that um, the nervous system is overwhelmed to the point that it cannot function properly. Like usually we do not enter in this fight and flight state, which is a good thing to have. That's how we uh, keep ourselves safe. But when we cannot finish this loop and go, go back into homeostasis, that's, that's the problem. So we, we stick in this fight and flight modus, which ends up a lot of, you know, stress in the body, which also can manifest in physical illness or injuries or, and of course, also emotionally. And, um, what we want to do for trauma and yoga is to help students fulfill this cycle so they get back into homeostasis. So that is um, how we see trauma in very in short and um, trauma-informed that we make sure that students with trauma can also train hard. Because sometimes there is this misunderstanding that people think, yeah, oh, trauma-informed just means like, you know, oh, velvet gloves, nothing happens, all very soft. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's kind of like the hardest work you can do is work on yourself, especially when you expose yourself to an environment that has, especially in the beginning, so many triggers. There are people, there's touch, there's unknown things you don't know. Um, so they're doing such hard work. Um so in doing that we want to make sure that they're safe that they can get out of their shell they can get out of their comfort zone and therefore also train hard just as people that at the moment may not struggle with their mental health
2: yeah i think a big part of of this is also keeping the the, um, german environment safe Um, i think is a big part of of being trauma-informed that also means Uh, telling people off when they step over uh, our boundaries or boundaries of of other people, having, having clear rules. And um, because uh, a lot of um, drama, a lot of of issues in the martial arts world is because uh, coaches let things slide uh, or, or choke about actual issues um, or, punish people for, and, and by, by rolling with them hard, but not explaining like you went hard on this white belt. So I go hard on you, mm-hmm. um, but they don't make this explicit, for example. So then, uh, this other guy thinks, oh, the coach went hard on me. So it's okay when I go hard on other people, uh, instead of, uh, breaking this, this, this cycle just as an, as an example. So I think, um, trauma informed is, um, it's not cuddling or anything. It's uh, being pretty direct and uh, in in creating the safe safe environment.
1: Yeah, it also means that you have the uncomfortable conversation. I mean, we have it also in our school. Sometimes somebody posts a meme that may or may not be uh, appropriate. Um, also, because the teens and adults they trained together and certain things I'm like, that's not what an, a team necessarily needs to see or discuss right now. Or, you know, we are then direct about, we approach the person. Like, it's not that we're like punishing them, not at all, but we just want to make them aware. Uh, because often, people are just unaware. People really, most people, they really mean well, but sometimes, you know, good attentions, they pave the way to hell. Well, we are there also to also support and to also show them that there is another way. And it doesn't mean therefore they get canceled or anything like that. Um, I think what's maybe also also useful to know is the difference between when you're a therapist or like a non-therapist, because we have, I'm not a licensed therapist, so um, what can we do kind of like in a martial arts school? Um, with certain people, we do work with their therapist present, especially in private class or self-defense courses, especially when um, they're directly healing from trauma. So that means that they may have many triggers and then there is a therapist there that can help. And then we create a, you know, a tailor-made strategy per person because every person works differently, even if they had a similar type of trauma and event, um, so that we open their window tolerance, help widen their window tolerance step-by-step. That's like a very specific setting, um, in a more regular class, um, we can help them with, um, with setting goals, chunk them up in little steps and help them step by step to get there so that they feel better. What we cannot do is, you know, openly therapy them, ask them about their past. I mean, it's one thing when they come to us and they start telling about it, but we cannot give advice or we cannot in that regard, help them with the past because that is not, um, not our jurisdiction, so to speak. But what we can do is when they say, Oh, I have these and these and these triggers, We can help them to a little bit diffuse these triggers by um, if touch is a trigger, we can start with conversation starter games. We call them that you have like little touch and you build it up over time. So that we help them create this new narrative that kind of diffuses a little bit the amygdala that when when touch, a trigger comes in, that the amygdala doesn't immediately think, let's go to fight and flight. But instead gets this more positive uh, uh, output in thinking, oh, despite the fact that, for instance, I have been sexually assaulted and physical touch is difficult for me. I also like physical touch in the context of BJJ because it makes me feel good, makes me feel confident. I know I can escape these kind of things. And that's like we are like in the present and the future. That's more like where we are at, whereas psychologists and therapists are more to the past and present and of course, then also going to the future. So I would say that our type of trauma-informed martial arts and um, professional therapy go hand in hand. That's like kind of like how we see it. And even if you are a licensed therapist, when something happens on your mats, you can't just start therapying them out in the open either. Like it's also an inappropriate setting. So mm. for us non-therapists, it's like, if something happens, we, you need to know how to bring them back safely. That is super important. And there are protocols for that. But other than that, uh, that should go then to professional healthcare providers because we are none.
0: Totally. And if I come to you and I'm like, okay, I've been doing therapy for a while. This is my therapist. I can give you their number if you need to refer, but I think I'm ready to start learning BJJ. What can I expect? What's the class going to look like from start to finish for me?
1: So I think, um, first of all, it's already amazing when people are so open about that because it's very helpful for us. So first I would have a conversation uh, about what other expectations, their goals, um, if they want to share what our triggers because it's very helpful for us to know. Uh, ask what are, whether they are okay being paired with, um, you know, old genders or preferably more women, uh, these things, because it's also good to know because I know eventually it will change. But just like in the beginning, I don't want to get them overwhelmed too quickly because mm-hmm. i know how courageous and hard it is to actually dare to start this it's like it's it's, it's such a big step
2: it's also important to to tell that uh, to to the person yeah um because like it, it's it's uh, very very scary especially when you when you open up like that yeah and uh then usually um we would tell them also how the Class is gonna gonna run. So, for example, okay, we're gonna um, warm up with uh, some running, some solo drills. Then we're gonna drill some technique, and in the end, there will be um, sparring games, um, and we will help you through through all of that. Um, just as as an example, uh, so that they know uh, each class what's uh, what what's awaiting them.
1: Yeah, they need to know what to anticipate because I know it's super hard when something also awesome come for them as a surprise and they can like close up like a fan and that is not their fault at all, but they can't help it because yeah, when the rational brain goes offline, like it's not, it's not their fault. So um, to anticipate that they know what to anticipate is very good. We also always say you decide whether you want to participate or not, if you need a break, you take a break. Nobody's going to be like, whoa, why is she stopping? No, nobody cares because nobody, everybody knows that many have been there themselves. So nobody will judge you if you need a drinking break or you just go to you know the locker room for a moment or these kind of things. So the choice, you are in control. I think that's very important because people with trauma always have the feeling that control was taken away from them, that they didn't have a choice. So we want to immediately right from the start, make very clear, like it's really their choice. So if they realize, oh, I like, with this person I feel comfortable okay then we just pair them up a little bit more often until they're ready also to go with others so that's kind of I think what a first class would look like and as for sparring it depends really on the person I mean some people are you know like oh yeah let's do it others not well they can just sit with us and we explain what's going on and what kind of the goals are where do you want to be where where do you not want to be in BJ It, it just really depends on the person but it's clear that they always choose what they want
0: do you mostly focus on self defense or competition or a little bit of both? You're both active competitors yourselves.
2: Um, yeah, we we have um, dedicated self defense courses uh, mm-hmm. where we really focus on on uh, self defense. Um, we focus in 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 the classes uh, a bit of both. Uh, yeah, at the moment we focus a lot of of uh, on competition because uh, finally there again. I know, right? Finally, competition <laughs> back, and there will be a big tournament in Munich, and uh, quite a few of our white right belts uh, want to go to competition the first time. So uh, we'll be preparing for that. Super excited about that. Um,
1: yeah, it's a fun thing, like even though we never were like, oh, we want to be for, like, like specifically a competitive gym, we very much are. And it's kind of like just grew because we compete and we always say, it's just a good experience. Even if you otherwise are like, no, it's not for me. That's fine. But then you will never regret it because you did it at least once. And also because we compete, you kind of you know, show by example. I mean, I'm tiny. Often I have to fight weight classes higher. I mean, when I just got my purple belt, I, uh, the only thing that was available to me was fighting uh, women 15 kilos heavier than me. Plus it was like purple and up. So I also got to fight a brown belt, you know, and I was just like a month purple, but you know, I just do it. And the thing is, is that other students are like, oh, okay, it's okay. So they don't think it's so out of the comfort zone. So they get their fights in. And the fun thing is we are very, very competitive, even though that's not where our emphasis necessarily is on. The emphasis is on skill development and having fun. But for us, competition is also fun, kind of, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, competition is uh, also widening your, your window of tolerance. It's uh, stepping out of, of your comfort zone and testing uh, your skills against people you don't know
1: yeah can you still Um, listen to your coach when aroused i mean you know like there's a lot of things we also can we also learn a lot um from our students where they're at and and how it how it goes because some people are maybe like can be like absolute like you know in a positive sense uh monsters in the gym but then uh, when they go to competition it's different because the mind is such the mind game is such a huge game and um yeah we also see where they are at and then we also know again okay what what can we work on further
2: yeah yeah
0: so i love uh, that i love it's that a, i think
2: it, it. sorry
0: sorry what was he saying go ahead
2: um, it's it's a fun tool to to develop uh, the individual but also the team uh it's yeah. also really uh, yeah the team grows together because they they focus together on competition uh they go there together they they go through this, this stressy moments together and um yeah afterwards they they celebrate together so it's
1: uh... and also those that did not go to competition but they are there to help prepare them so they are also part of it so when there are successes and success does not always need to be a medal success can be oh I worked on this guard uh, for a while and I yeah it worked in competition or oh I'm just now in a new belt level I just want to see how, how how long I survive so to speak because you have to learn how a new belt level goes that are all kind of like of success and like this, they always win. That's the thing. Like, winning is not a medal per se. It's nice, it's a bonus. But I always want that our students have goals and that they see to reach them in competition because, like that, whether they have a medal or not, they know that they did well. And also, those that did not compete, they helped them getting there. So it's also their accomplishment, which really helps. is good for the, the overall team spirit and gym culture.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the cool things about. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu right is that competition is so accessible it's so different to striking right you know this from doing striking like um, and, and again of course we're not encouraging per se our students to be like when are you going to compete I would never say when are you going to compete just like I know you wouldn't say when are you competing but it's it's much more likely that a BJJ student would say, hey, I'm thinking I might try out a competition. Whereas for Muay Thai, it's a big deal to go. I'm going to do a competition because of course there's the impact whereas jujitsu is you'd lose and you and you get to tap um and i definitely agree like i learned so much about myself in competition you really realize whether you tend towards fight or flight or you know how you respond under pressure um how good your jujitsu is against someone who's totally new and doesn't know your game as well too is a is a big big part of it so it's very cool
1: yeah i think that bj in this regard is this is really good for uh, people that want to, um, want to kind of compete, but don't, I mean, it, it, it is different whether you tap indeed for a lock than when you get hit in the face, it is different. I mean, you get hit once in the face and you will first, it will take a moment. If you're not used to it, um, you're out of order for a moment, even if you're not knocked out, but it's, you know, you have to get yourself back together and then, whoa, what then? And maybe then it's already kind of too late, right. To get back into the fight. So I think we saw this also with. one of our guys uh, he he's 14 and he went uh, for his first kickboxing competition and at one point it was kind of open ended but he was only weighing like what 40 45 kilo or something and he fought against a kid like that was
2: yeah, he was 46 the weight class was till 45 he was uh, 46 and uh, it was uh, open
1: ended so yeah,
2: the, the other guy was 80 85 something around wow. uh, it, was, it was
1: like it was bigger like bigger size. than him you know
2: and it, it, it was uh, meant to be um, light contact mm-hmm. because in that age it's it's not full contact of course mm-hmm. uh but it definitely man, was the guy raised nearly double so he got a split decision in the end
1: but he fought um, like it was amazing because it was like uh, yeah,
2: he, he lost the split decision sorry he but. lost the
1: split decision but like but it was split decision because oh this is our therapy yeah. dog <laughs> he's in season so she needs a little bit more cuddles
2: oh
0: baby
1: <laughs> yeah i know we all emphasize all the women I tell are like
2: oh but also from from own experience and in, in uh, striking comp- competition or uh mma the um intensity you have in between Sparring and um, and competing as a whole, mm. is it's a much bigger gap than the intensity um, you have in, in BJJ, uh, the sparring versus uh, yeah. uh, competition, of course. I mean, yes, the, the competition in BJJ is still way tougher than uh, any round in the gym for, for various reasons. But even in, in hard sparring, no one hits ever like hits the gym buddy ever as hard as as it's going to be in, in competition
1: well i don't know i mean it's... some 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 other gym train okay how do i But in general <laughs> in general
2: in general um yeah yes yeah.
0: no 100 having experienced both it's miles different the difference between jujitsu jitsu and, and kickboxing um so we spoke a bit about how Training can widen your window of tolerance. Um, it can get you familiar with touch. What else is it about martial arts that you think are so therapeutic? You know, I think the reaction from some people when you say, "Oh, you know, like a good next step might be to start training jujitsu," people are like, "Why would you fight if you've experienced violence?" You know, is a common response. So, what would you say about why are martial arts therapeutic?
1: I think it's because you shift, um, you shift meaning in the end things happen in, in the events that happen that you cannot change but the meaning you give to it you can change and there I think especially when it's about you know a physical abuse but also emotional mental abuse I think martial art is so great because you can you can literally have the feeling you're fighting back
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I can imagine when you um, have been physically assaulted and you if somebody sits on your mount and you know how to escape and you know get to pin that person yourself that must feel so liberating and empowering because you know that you know they can't hold you down anymore like literally and metaphorically we see this a lot when we have um uh, women's self-defense classes obviously their focus is on self-defense which means you always want to get away. you're not going to stay there for the fight you only fight when you have to and if you can run away first that's you know your, your to-go thing mm-hmm. but in the end you always have um scenario training and we create one, but they also can create one themselves. And when they um, create one themselves, it's usually something that they experienced and where they, where they felt so disempowered. But then when they, oh, you, you, sorry, but then when um, they replay it and this time they are the victor, that does so much because the brain doesn't, cannot distinguish between reality and what is kind of like set up. The brain cannot make a difference, that's somehow how we are wired. So the feeling, I mean, when you do a scenario train, you're still stressed. The good thing is you are in a safe environment. So if if anything happens, stop, everything stops. You're not in real danger, but there's still perceived danger. And then when you get to fight back and you are the victor this time in this story, for many that just is so incredibly healing and sometimes even it's enough to finish this cycle and they can just get back in the, the parasympathetic nervous system and that's why I think martial arts are great because it's really an, an active way of fighting back there are many ways you can do yoga you can do art you can do music and I also think people that tend to dissociate a lot I think more active practices like in yoga would be Definitely ashtanga yoga, not like this passive ones or martial arts, I think are way more helpful because they, the people that dissociate often, it's kind of like reverse that their parasympathetic system is hyper developed. So if you want them to calm down more, that's like, especially not what they want, what they need, they need their, their work looks a little bit different. And I think that's why some people tend to like martial arts way more because there is more action. It wakes them up. Um, that's why I think martial arts for for, for some or quite many people, I, I believe, can be super therapeutical.
2: Yeah, I think it's also, um, it demands discipline, um, martial arts. So I think, and then, then you get results, you get quicker, uh, it's very quickly uh, better in martial arts when you get this, this discipline. But when you're disciplined, you show up and your coaches help you uh with with that also to be co- or more consistent then it also gives um stability a lot of stability and i think that is also a a um a big big deal and also it's um self paced it's, it's you do it for yourself it's not um a a team sport where like i've had bad experiences with with uh, team sports in the sense that um i was usually blamed for when my team lost uh and i heard that experience quite often so uh, for someone who might have have triggers and not uh in in a team sport when one team plays against the other you don't have necessarily. also in training you don't you're not like oh i i sit out because uh you you it's hard to to take that choice because it's uh about the team but when you then don't perform on the field, then everybody is like, "Why didn't you perform, right? Um, and in martial arts, you you have more choice for because you do it for yourself. I mm-hmm. think uh, as yoga, of course, or dancing, um, depending. But, um, yeah, so I think that's also something that that really helps.
1: Yeah, I think in martial arts, you have like the the team behind you, but in the end, it's just in the end, you are the one fighting, right? And I think, you can't be blamed for anything. And I mean, you should also never blame yourself. I mean, like some days are good, some days are less good. And that's also part of life, learning how to deal with the bad days and still getting some things done is like, the, you know, the key in the breakthrough here. But I think because I also kind of came from team sport, I played volleyball at a high level as a teenager. And for me it was like reverse. I was only allowed kind of in the team by the, by the other women because I was good in what I did in the position I was placed. But other than that, I didn't play any roles kind of like, you know, reverse, but also there, if we would lose, usually somebody would get blamed. But, I'm, but I was always like, yeah, but it's a team effort. Like if we lose, we all lose. It's not just because one person, but also we, have, of course, have bigger team. So some people then get on the bench and don't get to play. Mm. And I think that's that's really a sad thing. When they train super hard, but they don't get to play. They don't get to play a game. Whereas in BJ, everybody gets to play a game. Maybe we have, we have to modify it a little bit based on their mental or physical needs. because also when somebody has a physical injury, um, we also modify it for them a little bit and the same I think should be much more commonplace that when people also have a mental health injury so to speak that we just modify class so that they again also can train hard
0: yes it's a great segue because I think a lot of coaches are pretty used to you know students wearing a knee brace as always like I feel like at least 20 percent of the class wearing a knee brace in jiu-jitsu um, other injuries we work around them that's fine but yeah, a lot of coaches are really well-meaning, like they care about their students, but they just don't have an awareness of trauma. So where can those coaches kind of start to become a little bit more trauma aware, not to necessarily run a trauma-informed program, but they're listening to this podcast and they want to create a more inclusive gym.
1: I think it's always great just to ask people, like, what are their goals? Like, why are they here? And what are their goals? And they may be more open or less open. That's totally fine, but you will get a, a feeling for it and um, one super simple thing just ask your students how they are doing all of them not every time you know because you know you're busy and all these things but just when people come in just ask how they're doing mm-hmm. and maybe they say oh i'm fine and sometimes they're like they come back to say like i'm actually not fine or they say like oh i had really a rough day or they're like oh today was lovely or like oh the weekend was great i don't know something but they know you care we see it a lot with all ages really that when somebody comes in and we feel that they're a little bit off we just ask hey how was your day how are you like no leading questions not saying like oh you look like you had a shit day no no leading questions open questions and usually even when they whether they answer or not they will feel better they go into the locker they you know they they change and then they know oh i've been seen and that is so massive that's that already does so much i mean I know many stories that people that just asked somebody who, who was really contemplating to commit suicide, just that somebody just asked them how they were doing, prevented them from doing it. They were often unaware of that. So often we don't even know how many people we literally save by just asking how you're doing. And even when they say, oh, I had a rough day. Well, then you can say like, wow, and you, you have a rough day and you still made it to class. Awesome. Well, let's have a good, let's have a good training. You know, like, that's how people feel in- included and that they are wanted and that they are welcome. And I think that would be really one major thing that doesn't really cost anything. I mean, sometimes you, maybe you get a, a conversation, that they tell you how rough it is, but then you're also like, okay, well, thank you for sharing. Uh, I'm going to make sure you will have a good training today. And then I think people will feel very, very happy. Another yeah.
2: one. I, I think uh, in general, um, learning about what is trauma and how uh, does it affect people is I think a a great way to start Um, when you want to take it a little further. um, We have it in uh, our pillar one, for example, of the Thrive Thrive method. We have uh, what is trauma um, and how do you see it on the mats? What is uh, How does it affect people on the mats and what do you do if something happens? It's not necessarily that you need to run a Trauma-informed program, to um, um, but you will have people that have some kind of of uh, trauma, whether it's uh, PTSD or um, uh, overwhelmed from work, or can can be anything. But then it's uh, how do you recognize that on the um, on the martial arts mats and how can you help them to get back? Uh, in homeostasis at, at that moment um, basically um, mental first aid on the mats and um, yeah how do you help them widen their window of tolerance how do you uh, do all these things um, I think it's um, yeah lear, learn what what trauma is and what you can can do how, how you recognize the signs and how you
1: I also think like like if somebody like sprains an ankle or something happens we all know what to do right Mm-hmm. Or something, something else something's bleeding whatever we all know what to do <clears throat> excuse me but when somebody has a anxiety attack panic attack and um, traumatic flashback i don't think that we know what to do i mean what do people often do first thing they touch because they want to console which is exactly that that you should not do Unless they, unless you ask for permission and they are able to say, yeah, but when they're somewhere totally else, they probably would not even be able to tell you whether you can touch them or not. Like these very simple things that just by knowing, know what, what my husband said, knowing what trauma is, it will really open up a whole game. Also, you will um, take things less personally as a coach. Why? Because often sometimes people can act out. That happens people have stress also without trauma people can have like stressy lives but often we tend to take that personally but when you realize when you can recognize signs of super stress of maybe anxiety but also like traumatic behaviors then you also will know where to place it which means that when you don't take it personally you get to help that student much better so i think by learning more about trauma um, your personal development as a person and as a coach will skyrocket too. And we also dive deep into this in, in our second pillar, which is discovery, where we we're like, yeah, what kind of limiting beliefs do you actually have as a coach? Like, If you don't have many women in your school, why not? Why do they maybe come but not stay? what what is happening there? Because you may be actually a very kind person, but something in communication or things that are happening there, maybe you're nice, but maybe your students are not because they think that, oh, we're not, um, there are no real boundaries anyway, so we can pretty much do what we want. Well, maybe a leadership skill would be to enforce some more core principles of how we behave amongst each other. And that are just already little things. If you as a coach stop looking away and start to have these sometimes uncomfortable conversations and just say like, this I don't want to see on my mats." Um, and if you don't align with my core principles, then my school is unfortunately not the school for you. That will be already great. So I would say, ask your students how they're doing. Do learn a little bit about what is trauma and especially how you can recognize it. And make sure that, <laughs> and make sure that you don't let um, aggressions, no matter how minor they look, don't let them get away with it because they can grow and faster. When you do those three things, you have all of a sudden a way safer space. And it didn't really change anything in how you teach. That kind of like remains the same. I mean, maybe there is some difference in language, but for the rest, that remains the same. So when you do these three things, it will really change and students will thank you for it nice
0: i love it um one of the things we touched on right at the start of our conversation was coaches that send um messages to students like sexual advances and this is rife within the martial arts community and certainly we're hearing a lot about it in jiu-jitsu at the moment i think you've already covered quite well um for coaches how they can look at you know how do they set boundaries set boundaries with their students you know if you are the gym owner Of course, like those are the kind of things to do. But oftentimes I think students are at gyms where they feel like they have kind of like a commitment to or a connection to, or perhaps they have many friends at the gym already. And so for whatever reason, they don't want to leave, but they suspect that something like that might be going on. Maybe it's happening to a friend or maybe it's happening to them personally, or maybe they just kind of get a gross vibe. What advice would you give to practitioners Um, For creating cultural change within their gyms.
1: So I call this being an upstander and not a bystander. It's like a way how you can become an ally. There are many ways how you can become an ally, but especially there, especially when you're like of lower rank or not, you know, not somebody with direct power that just can kick somebody out. Be an upstander. And that means. I just say something say you're a guy you're in the locker room and other guys are saying some very gross things about the ladies and they they're not there they cannot defend themselves because obviously they're not in the guys locker room um just say that this is not okay and explain them why this is not okay that this is not the type of language or uh, that you want to hear or is necessary um you can be an upstander in when you realize that um i don't know say somebody two students are talking and you get a bad vibe about it what's going on between you just come in and say hey hey guys what are you doing just you know what are you discussing just interrupt it and then afterwards you can ask either both or the one that you think is the victim like whether everything is okay whether they want you to do more or anything like that um i think as an upstander if you interrupt behaviors when you call out behaviors um people will start to realize that they're like, we always talk about math enforcers, right? That like, if somebody comes in who has a chip on his shoulder, there is the met enforcer. Well, we also need a mental health, um, you know, or against bullying and harassment, math enforcer. So the upstand is kind of like, be the, you know, the mental health math enforcer in terms of that when you see that something happens, just say, hey guys, how are you doing? And keep an eye on it. When you realize it keeps on going, well, that's then maybe time to have a conversation with that student or better to talk to the coach.
2: It's also uh, important, like when the, um, harassment comes from the, from the coach oh. uh, you can address it to the coach and if the coach doesn't see it, doesn't want to understand it uh, there won't like you won't be able to, to um, necessarily change it from the button up apart from you get the whole team together to do that which is a hard thing to do uh, so when you then stay in the team and you're a bystander because you can't change the coach's behavior necessarily um, then best thing is as hard as it is um, to leave is to leave we've done it ourselves and it's it's really hard and it's not um, not the easy path but when you stay there you indirectly um, show that it's that the gym is okay um, especially once you once you've seen it and you you stay you tell everybody else every new guy that comes in you tell basically that gym is cool and uh, they should train there just by being present and um yeah so i think then it's time to to uh, take your responsibility and um yeah
1: i mean I really want to say for also for the listeners, like, I know if you talk to a coach, you probably will get punished for it, depending on what, like, depending how toxic that coach is. If you have a good coach, this is the thing. If you have a good coach, you know that when you approach him or her and you're like, hey, I noticed this, they will think about it and they won't punish you. And actually, they will be thankful because they were probably not aware and they were like, thank you for making me aware. Um, But if you have such a coach, you most likely don't have to do it more often because they are already more aware. So if you're really in a school where you have the feeling that if I speak up, I will isolate myself only more. That would be a strong red flag that maybe this is not the school that you want to represent. And indeed, as Alex says, like other people come and there are people it's kind of signifies like, oh, this must be a safe space, a fun space because people are there. So I understand it's really, really hard. I mean, if you insist on staying, then definitely become a upstander by definitely keeping other people safe by protecting them, by interrupting, maybe walk, walk, walking somebody home to be sure, like these these kind of things. Um, even though it's kind of like, you know, the inevitable would be ultimately then to leave if indeed nothing changes. Um, and in the end, it's also a bit like uh, this metaphor about the nail and the dog. I'll just like, explain this very shortly. Like there, there's this story that the dog is like, moaning is in pain because it's sitting on the nail. And then somebody asks the owner, why is the dog not getting up? Why is the dog getting up so that the nail can come up? And then the owner says that's because the dog thinks that getting up is going to be more painful. Getting it out is going to be more painful than staying in this nail. So it will just stay there being in pain. So I think in, in, in these types of situations, as long as it doesn't hurt enough, people won't, um, won't stand up become an upstander or leave also because they think the bargain is not good they think it's going to hurt more for them to do it than to actually accept the pain that the suffering they are already either witnessing or seeing and i think that's maybe also something that we as a a community should reward much more that actually doing this, getting up and getting this painful nail out is actually a rewarding thing that in the end you feel better. I mean, when we left, yes, we we missed people that we had good connections with, but if those connections are strong, those connections will stay. Um, and in the end from when we were out, then we realized how toxic it actually was. And we were, we were like, why didn't we do this sooner? But of course, when you're so close on it, it's very hard to see like how good or how bad something is. Um, So yeah, I, it's hard, but I still ask, you know, like even if it's in little things just to make it a safer space, that's definitely what you can do.
0: I think that's great advice. I want to ask you both the question that I ask all of my guests on this podcast as we come towards the close. We often hear people saying things like, BJJ saved my life right and sometimes people mean it literally sometimes they mean it more figuratively as in BJJ changed my life but what do you think it is that causes that
1: you want to start
2: I think um BJJ is addictive mm-hmm. uh, so once you once you start you start training twice a week twice a week so it's a uh, and it's because some something about um, the the rolling is um, it comes r- close enough to 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 fighting, and it makes you like you struggle, but in a, a positive way. So you you learn that you learn problem solving. It's it's uh, it's some kind of of, of problem solving with. Um, with a lot of pressure and you learn to be calmer under stress. You learn to, um, to make decisions quickly because when you don't make a decision, it's worse than uh, maybe making a mistake or has the same result as making uh, the wrong decision. So, and I think that you learn to be um, like, you have this dedication. You, you go to class at one point probably every day. So, you have this this uh, stability. Um, you you meet uh, people like minded people, so you have um, connection. You have uh, stability, and from there, um, that also translate into translates into daily life. I think so. It's uh, yeah. You you learn those life skills. Um.
1: I think it's such a layered um, answer and, and and question because I think on the one hand. It's a very natural thing, isn't it? If you look in nature, play fighting, I mean, how do animals in the wild prepare themselves for, you know, surviving the wild? It's by play fighting. That's how they hone their skills. That's how they get more aware and stronger. It's play fighting. Dogs do it. Get, they all do it. And I think for us, it's also fine because it's, it's, it's play fighting. It's kind of like immersing yourself a little bit in violence, but the stakes are not so high. And it's like you learn, but you feel better. Then of course, also I think it's the social aspect because it's not only that you just meet like-minded people, you just meet people that you normally would not meet. Because usually we all hang around in specific space based in what kind of environment we we were raised. And that's something we didn't choose. That's just how, where we were born. But in, in the school, in the martial arts school in general, I think you just get to meet so many more people and you start to understand also their struggles, their lives and realize like, oh, they're actually cool people too, you know? Even though it means that they may have completely different opinions about certain matters, but you, you see that the, despite that, they are still good people. So I think that's also what kind of saves. And then of course, on a more, you know, mental level, either indeed... Uh, martial arts helps you because you can you know f- finish this cycle of trauma but it can also be escapism escapism is not necessarily healing but it means that if you have a very stressful job or stressful life it means that for a moment you can just be in the moment and shut all that down because if i am not that's why i love in yoga arm balancing if i am not in the moment i'll fall flat on my face i have to be and in, in martial arts too if i am not focused i will get submitted so you need to be in the now and i think that so many people are so busy with what to do next what now i have to do that it's all like i have to i have to i have to I have to but in martial arts you get to and you are in the moment and i think that's what is just so healing and therapeutic in general for everybody regardless of whether you have drama or not so i think it's like this multi-layered
2: there's also a book um, played away i forgot unfortunately the author but uh, basically he, describes how he um, healed himself from um, burnout by, by playing Um, just meeting up with with friends and play. And I think as adults, we are often not allowing ourselves to play, but jujitsu class is a great, um, great excuse to play because uh, when you approach rolling as, as, as a game and not as life and death, but as a game, then you, you have you have your playtime basically and as also as uh grown-ups um we have the the need basic need to play um it's no different than then food or water we need play as well and i think that's actually what what really can save people
0: we will be sure to put that book in the show notes to get you to send me the authors afterwards i'm also interested to read that book um Which brings me to final part, which is to please tell everyone how they can connect with you, how they can study with you. Where are you on the internet?
1: So we are especially on Instagram. And there when you have like off underscore the underscore zone, that's like our Instagram handle there. We post all kinds of things related to trauma-informed coaching, also how to become an ally. We also offer um, trauma-informed coaching. So coaching in terms of that we teach you how to become trauma-informed but also we also are coaches ourselves so if you struggle with things in your uh, martial arts career we also help you especially from the trauma-informed perspective of things to shift some things to see that you you know can reach your goals however you define them um that is i think the main thing regarding that work and then our school is called team laurine and alex so let's also rather simple we are in munich in germany if you're ever passing by you're very very welcome we have bj mma and yoga classes and uh yeah i think that's how you can find us
0: perfect we'll put all those details in the show notes thank you both so much for coming on this has been a wonderfully insightful conversation
1: Oh, well, thank you for having us we're you know very honored to be here
0: on your podcast
2: yeah thank you it was uh, was fun talking to you
0: Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? I'm grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fight Back Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to leave me a review to help more people find the show, that's a bonus.
3: You need to know that nobody shapes me. gotta tell you what my name is, I don't gotta explain it. Walk in the room, hear a boom erupting like I'm famous. I'm here shedding shells, I'm shameless. I fear nothing, no complacence. Walked to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this. Poster, they hold over all the heads of trauma holders. You don't need to know my history, I move boulders. Atlas shrugged, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders. No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers. This goes deeper than empowerment, cause... When the power in physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring if i can't change the scenery at least i change perspectives no longer isolated but elevated and selective darkest places become beautiful spaces this is where rage meets patience meets power meets gracious meets we're so glad you came in the feeling is contagious when you the walking impact of intended bad intentions when you the manifest enough collecting all their tensions you the soul and body hold it all and still remember but i'm a work in progress testament to all contenders forgot what it was like to have control over self Forget what it was like to be the one in charge. Forget in my reflection, I can see all my wealth. Forget that with my bare hands, I break all these bars, barriers, and obstacles. They can't cage me, they can't chronicle all my experiences and reduce them to appearances when I was truly beaten gave myself clearances to fall down mess up and get myself back up I'm not looking for clovers cause I don't believe in luck damn you were badass I heard them say it clearly why thank you very much I know now I'm not weary of what's next for me cause I expect to see growth like I was planted watered fed and bloomed to be the positivity and accountability when they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin Boundaries, I know them Take a breath and meditate Who is she? I know her well Now I get to open gates One, two, one, two I don't need your permission And if you get uncomfortable Then use your intuition To know that I won't stay Where respect is ever missing And everything I do That's me making decisions It's truly underrated The value of self-worth Forgot that I was rich From the moment of my birth A penny from my thoughts No, really, you can't afford it You cannot buy my story Rewrite it, Oh, record it You cannot buy my story Rewrite it, hold recorded all.